Hey everybody, this is the season one opener of the Hat Trick Podcast. This is D-Brain, and um, I'm sitting here solo right now. This was an impromptu recording because uh, today we finally got our logo, so I can actually start putting our episodes out online. So I don't have D-Crab with me, but real quick, before you listen to the first episode, I wanted to come out and say, you know, first off, thank you to Dustin, of course, my co-host and business partner. And uh, we'd like to thank the friends and family who've been supportive of this. And we especially want to have a shout out to all of our fans, present or future. We, uh, we know that the subject matter of our show is pretty dark. It is a true crime podcast. But we have a little bit of humor in, you know, we don't like to make fun of the victims or anything like that. Um, you know, the whole point of it really is to bring attention to these cases that might be unsolved or to bring attention to cases that have been solved to still kind of not let those victims be forgotten. So with all that being said, I would also like to um, kind of explain to everybody that the sound quality to this is going to sound different as compared to the first seven episodes, because last week we got a new upgraded microphone. So starting at season eight, we have a better sound quality. So please stick with us. I mean, we tried our best with the microphone we did have. Uh, it's not terrible, but it sounds a lot better with the one we have now. So with that, I would also like to remind everybody that you can contact us through email. Give us feedback at dbrain and dcrab at gmail.com. That's all lowercase spelled out D-B-R-A-I-N-A-N-D-D-C-R-A-B at gmail.com. And you can also find us on a closed group Facebook page. Uh, it's just look up the Hat Trick Podcast group on Facebook. And either me or Dustin will accept your request to join. And that will allow you to post stuff. And people, other people can find the group. I think other people can see who's in the group, but they can't say anything that's posted unless they also join the group. So, you know, we also ask that if you do join the group, you know, be active in it, but be respectful, of course, of all the families or victims of these cases or any cases that might be brought up in conversation in the group. And please be respectful to everybody else inside the Facebook group itself. We want to be able to involve as many people as possible, but if you're being disrespectful or you're saying stuff back and forth, you know, flame warring or whatever, I mean, it's we're not a Reddit thread. <laughs> and we might, if we have to, we would um, remove people if they're starting too much trouble. So just keep that in mind. Um, and with that being said, I want to introduce you to the first episode of the Hat Trick Podcast, The Jameson Family Case. recording. Hey, welcome to the show. This is D-Brain and D-Crab's Hat Trick Podcast. This is one of your hosts, Drew D-Brain Branson, and I'm here with Dustin D-Crab Crabtree. And uh, we're here to talk to you about just a bunch of random stuff, but mostly terrifying crimes. (laughs) Do you agree with that? Yeah. (laughs) 
This is not your nice kitty playlist. There, there should be a. This is well, this would be rated a PG thirteen podcast, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, but we we have a bit of a stick, a stick. How, how would you say it? Stick. Niche. What? A niche. <laughs> what we do <laughs> is we'll get. We have a hat, top hat actually. Um, I'm holding it in my hand, Gretchen. Yeah. And we'll put about five or six topics in there. And every week we'll draw out of there, and we will put the put the hat down, Drew. <laughs> I'm being your lovely assistant. Yeah. Uh, every week we'll pick out a new topic, and the next week we'll discuss it. At the end of that week, we'll pick out a new topic. When we're out of topics, we'll fill it up with more topics. That's basically how it's going to go. Yeah, and um, for, for the first two episodes, we have decided that we're going to... We already have two picked out topics, mm-hmm. and at the end of the second episode, we're going to pick the first topic out of our hat. Yeah, that'll be the very first hat trick. The first hat trick of the hat trick podcast. Yeah. But I would like to mention that because of our busy schedules, we are recording kind of like a season at a time. Yeah. We're going to record quite a bit in advance, so we're going to say the date of the podcast when we start out or somewhere in there just so you know when it is but so if you're listening to it and we're talking about something that was a current event at that time you might not hear it until like a month ahead yeah but uh, I do if you agree Dustin we'll probably record intros that are more up to date with the next you know episodes and also that way people can interact with (laughs) us because we're going to set up an email and a Facebook page and um, I want to. I want people to be able to call or you know send us stuff or give yeah. us feedback, and that way we can kind of address those things yeah. as the show goes on. Yeah, and it, once we get a Facebook started, if you know however many followers that we have, you know any kind of topic that you want to hear, because I mean most of what we'll be doing is true crime. So any topic that you feel like you'd want to hear about, hear researched on, hear put on, you know the podcast. Put that on our Facebook, we'll throw it in the hat, and it will get picked. It just might take seven weeks. <laughs> yeah, but, but it, it will be out there. Yeah. Um, but Drew works in Tulsa, Monday through Friday. Yes. I work shift work, and we live like, what, 25 miles away from each other. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like we can just do this every night. I mean, I work shift work all the time. So, like I said, we do have very busy schedules, but... The way that we've got everything worked out, we should be putting out something at least once, once a week, once every two weeks, somewhere yeah, in there. I'd I'd like to not go any more than two weeks between releasing stuff, yeah. but I want to give us that cushion of having so many ahead of time that if we can't get together for a couple of weeks because of our we schedules, have, we have something to put out. Yes, <clears throat> because I mean, whenever we do get together, we have enough time to possibly like go over two topics, record two shows. Um, giving us a little bit of background for the next week. After we've been doing this for a couple months, with my shift work and his work, we'll kind of be able to figure out what day a week of... what day a week we'll be able to do this every week. Um, on my When I'm working a morning shift, you basically you work 8-4 all the time. So, I mean... Yeah. Um, we'll be able to meet up that night. I'm the company man. Yeah. I'm just a shift worker. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Should we tell them a little bit about our stuff? Or should, we, should, we, should we jump right in? Um, I mean, I'm willing to give them my social security number right now if you want to. But, I mean, I can hold that back for season two. Uh, wait, yeah. It's <laughs> good, yeah. I mean, you got to buy me dinner at least first. <laughs> I want to say that I'm highly overdressed for this um, <laughs> podcast, you know. Um, nobody's going to see me but Drew, so it's kind of like we're on a date right now. And I'm... Yeah, I wish I was. Weird. I wish I was nude, but for some reason, Dustin and his wife said that was not a good idea. Yeah, not a good idea at all. Um, <laughs> so I'm wearing blue jeans, <laughs> sad face, <laughs> and a top hat. <laughs> so maybe I'm the overdressed one. Yeah, you are pretty fancy. Yep, fancy smancy. I just had tucked in shirt and belt. I have a belt, but my shirt is casually untucked. Yep. So, well, Crabtree, do you want to? Yeah. Introduce the, what this case is and the and first case we're gonna talk about is the Jameson family mystery. Uh you can call it uh killing, you can call it a disappearance. Um there's been a bunch of there's been an investigation discovery T V show that actually picked them up uh, on our on their show called Disappeared. Um it's season two, episode ten, if you ever want to look that up on YouTube. Um This one's really weird because you can go so many different ways with it. Um, wouldn't you say so? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways. <laughs> We're gonna use our favorite term here, alleged. Yeah. There's a lot of alleged lot things. Of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to you, could, go. you could title this podcast allegedly because this is there's so many different things that nobody really can prove. Uh, the sheriff had actually said that most detectives love to have the, would love to have this much information, but they couldn't go anywhere with it, and nothing backed anything up, so they just got a bunch of nothing. But, you want to dive in? Yeah, um, actually, I, wanna, I want us to take a break from one of our completely oh, yeah. real, totally legit sponsors. sponsors. We have a real sponsor, y'all. And this is not something that I just came up with while driving in my car. Yeah, not totally. So we'll be back with you after a quick word from my favorite new sponsor. So do you ever want to impress that special lady or guy in your life? So you think, you know what? I'm going to cook them dinner. But you're not a famous chef. You're not a grill master. And so you don't really know anything about steak. You're not a butcher. You don't know about the different cuts of steak. And so you think, hmm, what am I going to do? Well, we have the product for you. Steak in a can. Yes, it is steak in a can. You open the can, put the steak on a plate, and then you put it in the microwave. Uh-huh, high for well done, and medium for medium rare. Yes, this is a great product. I eat it all the time. And, I mean, I'm not going to die in six months from high cholesterol or high blood pressure. And if you want your own lifetime supply of steak in a can, then here's all you got to do. It's five easy payments of $299.99 with $50 shipping and handling. And to get your order started today, all you have to do is call 1-800-TOTALLY-NOT-A-REAL-PRODUCT. This product is not a real product. It is not thought of or certified by the FDA. It may cause cancer. Welcome back from the word from our sponsors. Um, again, our case today is Jameson Family Mystery. Um, now, we do say mystery because their bodies were found, but there was really no... There was really... 
really nothing that proves that it was a murder. Nothing that proves like there's so many like you said there's so many different leads on what it could be, but no, but nothing was ever proven. Yeah, we we don't know, um, and we'll we'll get on our theories towards the end of the yeah, show. Exactly. And um, but yeah, so we're gonna call it the mystery <coughs> from here. Yep. Um, basically breaking it down. Uh, Bobby, Sherilyn, and Madison Jameson mm-hmm. took um, they took a trip down to the Sandboys Mountains. They were looking to buy some land up there. Allegedly, they were looking to buy some land up there. Um, now, the Sandboys Mountains is around the Red Oak area, 30 miles south of Eufaula. Eufaula, which is where they live. They were they, from Eufaula. Yeah, exactly. Um, apparently, I mean, apparently they were, you know, kind of common people. They liked their privacy. Um, I mean, to the point where they even had video cameras outside their house, which we'll dig into that later. Yeah, that um, was that has kind of a creepy twist yeah. into that. Fact. Also, it wasn't friends and family said that it wasn't weird for them to just pack up and like leave for like a week and not tell anybody where they were going. Um, her Sherilyn, I might butcher that name. I think it's Sherilyn. Sherilyn. Her uh, her best friend actually she said it wasn't weird if they wouldn't speak for like a year and then they'd random she'd randomly get a phone call from her saying hey what's up like they'd never just like it'd been last week or something yeah exactly see because I didn't know that that's interesting yeah. and that was kind of that was something that was kind of weird to me because of how like they just kind of portrayed their friends and they were they like like I said they, they liked their privacy a lot um, November eighth or October eighth I'm sorry of two thousand nine is when hunters, they find an abandoned truck with a dog inside. They decide not to break the window. They can tell the dog's in bad shape, but they get a hold of the local authorities. And the cops get out there. They break the window. They get the dog out. The dog actually survives. And they come to find out that the truck's been there for eight days. And the dog was... Completely malnourished, um, had to fight real hard to stay alive. Um, like I said, October eighth when they found him, when they found the truck. Uh, so, I mean, I didn't see. Any, I, I'm just assuming that when they say the dog is malnourished, it's because it's in the truck. Yeah. For those days, so prior to that, the dog was, was probably healthy. healthy. Yes, yes, okay. Yes. But um, they think the. I'm not 100 percent sure on what the sheriff's name was um he searches the truck finds what did he find uh, I got a list here according to what I found allegedly there was both of their both of the adults wallets both of their IDs their cell phones a GPS and there was uh some maps and $32,000 in cash which is a very big Special thing in this money. case it's yeah. a big amount of money and it it can branch off to many different alleged things. Yeah. And, I mean, we said that they were going there, they were scouting the land, you know, in that area to, first of all, like, to find a spot that they liked. Um, I'm guessing to find a spot they liked. They might have actually already had a place, but they were, they they would also stop off and talk to some people that lived kind of in that area to figure out, like, you know, what it takes to get started, what it takes to live, how do you get all your electricity and all the means of survival to live up here and um, the 32,000 the medical or not the medical examiners the detectives the police they say yeah I mean that could have been very what it was but in this area 
there's a lot of drug use, um, just kind of actually anywhere in Oklahoma, whenever you find us, actually probably anywhere, when you find us at that big of an amount of money, they look, first thing that most people think about, well, they were going to buy drugs or they just sold drugs. Yeah, I mean, I would say, uh, once again, I mean, as far as I know, Crabtree, they didn't, they weren't known to have been drug users, no, is weren't. that correct? And they, they weren't known, so that was kind of awkward, too. They yeah, and we, weird. I mean, we're going to go back to this alleged thing. We don't, we're not insinuating anything. We're just saying this is a theory that I believe, from what I've read, that it's allegedly a lot of people cook meth in that area. Yeah, exactly. And so they are saying that maybe there was something with a purchase. I had, I'm not trying to jump too far ahead. I had read in one theory that maybe they were in debt, which if you're in debt, you wouldn't have $32,000 on hand. No. So that could point to maybe they made some kind of sale to get that money. But, you know, just me saying that out loud, I, it makes me wonder... If they were in debt, they wouldn't have had that money. Yeah. So I'm not sure why or what chain of events has happened. I'm ass- I'm assuming, in my theory and linear thought, I'm assuming they showed up with the money. Yeah, because it was it was a bank bag that had thirty two thousand dollars. Was in a bank bag. Yeah. So I mean, I, if they sold the person who bought it, I don't. I'm not 100 percent sure that they would have it in a bank bag. To me, it kind of seems like they had the money. They just went and got the money. Mm-hmm. The bank put it in a bag. I mean, there from the from what I looked up, there was never anything that I didn't see anything that showed that they had just taken that money out of their account. So I'm not. They could have. I just never found it. Um, yeah. So we. I really don't know on that one. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't assume that's something that you just drive around with. No, unless on, you had so, means for it. Yeah. So I imagine that they probably had gotten it out sometime. Close to that, but, I mean, we're going off of basically internet sleuth information. I mean, Dustin has watched the clips from The Disappeared. Yeah. And so that's probably a very reputable um, source for us to go off of. Yeah. But, um, November 15th of 2013, again, this is, you know, four years later, um, their bodies are found. Now, what was... The weird thing about their bodies being found is they were found exactly three miles away from where their truck was found four years prior to that. Now, it said face down? Uh, Yeah, what I have, it says they were side by side, face down. Yeah. And it was the skeletal remains, Mm -hmm. um, because they'd been there out a while. One thing, and uh, one thing I don't know is they said that Bobby, the, the dad, had a hole in the back of his skull. But and they had also mentioned that they don't know if that was supposed to be a bullet wound or if possibly, I guess his bones had a lot of damage. And so they said it could have possibly been like animal life or rodents. Something could have made that happen. Yeah. So and, it was never decided what that wound was. And he, I mean, he had, Bobby had, I think it was back problems. Um, yes, I had read that too. Yeah. Sher- Sherilyn suffered from depression. Um Actually, I think both of them were actually suffering from depression. Yes, I have read that both of them suffered from depression. Yeah. Um, The weird thing to me about July... November November 15th was... They were found found three miles away from where their truck was. Now, whenever their truck was first found, a search was sent out 
all over those mountains. Now, the Sand Boys Mountains on where they were at, it was, it's very, very rugged. Uh, it's very easy to get lost in there from what I heard, but they were only three miles away. Now, a big, a huge search party of allegedly 500 people was sent out to try to find these three bodies or these three people. Mm-hmm. Um, why didn't they find them? If now that's where I know you said you had some theories on that. Yeah, my my theory about it is because I, I I truly do believe that they probably did have that amount of people, but that makes me wonder if if these people were abducted for whatever reason. We'll get into the theories of why they might have been abducted after we get more of this story out. But I wonder if they were abducted that maybe if they were abducted and killed while this search was going on, they're not going to be out there for these people to find. Yeah. And so after the heat dies down, maybe these people bring the body back, the bodies back and lay them there a few miles from where the truck was found. I mean, I don't know. I just, I feel like they probably did have that many people. I feel like the search was sincere, that there was worry about these people. And I just feel that they would have found them if the bodies were there at that time. Exactly. That's, that's my... And, what I believe and feel. You know, in, in most cases, how long does it take for, like, an area to die down? I mean, it's going to be a little while. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a possibility of they were still alive for that long, or, and then, like, they were killed after, brought to that area and dumped out. Yeah. There's a possibility that they were killed automatically, and their bodies just sit somewhere for a while, and then they were dumped out there. Um that's just one little small factor. I mean, that would yeah, you you just don't know because that's not very far, and no, so you, the search party you would think would find them. Yeah, and I mean, well, at first the thought popped in my head also maybe they could have died somewhere else on the land, and an animal brought the remains there. But, but they were side by side. Yeah, the the fact that they were side by side and they were all face down that sounds like either their bodies were there. It, they were placed side by side, I believe. Yeah. And it, yeah, there because at first there was also because we'll talk about the gun. Um, Sherilyn had a twenty-two pistol that she reportedly carried all the time. Um, she was the one that always carried it. Um, whenever that was reported to the authorities, they searched their house. They searched the truck. No. No twenty-two pistol was ever found. No pistol, in general, I don't believe was ever found either. Yeah, I, I didn't read anything that said that yeah. they had found no. uh, the pistol. I know that Dustin, you, you were the one who actually had heard more stuff on it. I have in my notes. I had just wrote down that she did have a pistol that was missing. Yeah, in, in the documentary, they kind of they hit on it. Um, you know, family members had said, yeah, she carries the pistol all the time. Now, this is kind of like where the murder suicide kind of turns up, but. When you go back to the oh well let's let's kind of talk more about why they could have thought it was murder suicide. Drew, you had yeah I um well I'll I'll be I have a bit of a too real moment here for myself. Um, you know when people are depressed or they have bipolar disorder, you know they of which Sherilyn had of, of yeah of which it has been said that she had. Um, you don't always feel good, and you know. With bipolar disorder, you're there's a bunch of different variants of it, but I think the main 
view of it is that, you know, you might be either really down or really up. And, I mean, you know, I've had clinical depression and, it's, you know, there's nothing bad going on in your life. But if you feel bad, you just get kind of the blues. And, I mean, I personally don't believe it was a murder-suicide. But one interesting thing that they said was found in the truck, that was allegedly found in the truck, was an 11-page, really hateful letter that the wife had made to Bobby, that Sherilyn had wrote to Bobby. And I had read somewhere that a friend said that wasn't uncommon. Um, that if she was off of her medication or something, that she might have these hateful letters written to, I guess to him, I mean, maybe other people too, I don't know. I never heard anything about anybody else but him. But her friend did say that if she was off of her meds, she could be very, very hateful. And they were already having problems anyway. A lot of it was from his depression, her depression, you know. And a lot of people said that's why they were looking to... Get out here in, this, in the mountains, making new, like, kind of like a fresh start, really. Start over. And, um, so they were, you know, they were kind of having problems, and then this is, this was like something that was kind of going to fix it. The one that, so when they try to factor in the murder-suicide, I don't think that she would have killed him. I mean, they're about to make a new start, especially not their little girl, Madison. Yeah. But, it, I mean, they're going to, she's not going to go out there and kill him when they were just going to start over. And there was no gun ever found. That is that is one of the biggest reasons I believe that I don't believe that it was a murder suicide because why I it out. if if she had if one of them whether it was her or the husband had done that and killed themselves they're not going to be laying side by side face down and they're you're, the gun is going to be there yeah, exactly and you know I don't believe that that's going to be dragged off by anything I mean you you would have found that yeah I mean like. For, for for them, you could you could say something came along and yeah took carried it off or whatever, but I don't really see that happening. Like you said, I I don't see somebody coming up and finding three dead bodies, one of them which being a six year old little girl, and just being like, I'm gonna take this gun and get out of here. Yeah. I mean, so I I see if it was a murder suicide, there's the gun still there. Um, another. Which, this one was really interesting to me, because I didn't know this until last night. But, um, Bobby had severe back problems. I believe he was in a wreck. Did you hear anything about that? I knew he had back problems. I didn't know what had caused them. I I, I want to say it was a wreck. I'm, like I said, I might butcher that. But, um, he was in a wreck. He had really bad back problems. I believe he used a wagon to, like, carry his tools around if he had to work on something. But I had read something about that. His, um... Uh, his mother said it was very hard for him to maneuver and get around. So whenever they decided to do work around the house, they would hire they hired a man. And Bobby went off to the store one day, leaving Sherilyn and his six-year-old daughter Madison at home with this guy that they had hired. Now, he was a stay-in boarder, which means he was kind of like a ranch hand or like a helper, something like that for around the house. Um, Sherilyn reported that he came up and sat next to her on the couch and said, all this talk of your Indian blood, I think you should be killed. Only white only white people should live in this land or live in this world. And that freaked her out to the point where she grabbed Madison, ran to the bedroom, grabbed one of Bobby's pistols, I think it was, and pointed at him and told him to get out. I want to say rightfully so. Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I wouldn't blame her for it. I mean, yeah. if... If that happened to my wife, I mean, I would fully expect her to 
you know, grab a gun. I mean, I would be very, very proud of her. But there was reports of them being on a, was it a white supremacist hit list? There. Was it a cult hit list? I don't know. I've read things about, allegedly, something about a cult hit list. There was a, they say allegedly that that area, I guess because it's so rural. Yeah. It's kind of a safe haven for people who might want to do that or participate in maybe like satanic ritual. Yeah. Now the thing about the white supremacists, that is, and I don't, you know, this is just one source I've seen on the website, may or may not be true, but there was a report, and you know, when there's big cases like this, there's all kinds of wackos that come out of the woodwork and call the family and harass them, and you know, it's not right, but there was a call, allegedly a call from... A lady who called, I think it was Sherilyn's mom, and said that they were on kind of, I don't necessarily want to say hit list, I was saying it, but I don't really want to think that there was a whole organization after them. I just feel like maybe she claims that there was some white supremacists that had problems with them and wanted them gone. Maybe that's what the $32,000 in cash was doing too. Like pay them, maybe they paid them off or something. Yep. I mean, like, like, alright, the... Police commissioner or the sheriff, I can't remember which one it was, but I mean they said he said most detectives would love to have as much information as we do. As many, I mean, ways to go about it as we do. But the fact is we can't never we can't prove any of them. And that's kind of like that's just another one. I mean, like that one to me I believe the white the white supremacist one is kind of like my maybe one or two on what happened. Uh-huh. Um, the the one that I believe kind of the most was I don't know if you've ever seen No Country for Old Men. No, I actually haven't seen that movie. Well, all right, <clears throat> it's basically a whole movie about a drug deal gone wrong. Really, uh-huh. this guy stumbles up, sees a drug deal gone wrong, gets the money, then goes he goes off and they track him down and they eventually end up killing him. Uh, spoiler, spoiler alert, alert yeah. for this movie that came out like yeah. eight years ago. But um, the mom, I believe it's the mom of Bobby. It's I, I, it's either the mom, it's mom of one of them. I'm not 100% sure. But she says, and this is, this is what I got off the website. She thinks they went up there, seen something they shouldn't have, and they killed him for it. Now, I've been, I've had instances like that hit close to home before. That that's probably like you don't. I, I hate hearing that, but because that was that's one of those wrong place, wrong time deals, and that really stinks. But I mean, that could explain the thirty-two thousand. That could explain the truck being abandoned. That could explain so much. Now, I mean, that's another you just don't really know. But like, you know, like we read that place up there is more is. I mean, it's kind of known for how rural it is and how, you know, a lot of people up there... They're, they're just... Kinda, they're, they can probably get away with a bunch of exactly. things in that area that yeah. you couldn't in town. Exactly. So, I mean, a lot of drugs can go th- running through there. A lot of drug deals could go running through there. Um, it's just... It's, it's, very, it's, it's very concerning, really, because if they... If they ran up on a, on a deal gone wrong, that means whoever killed him, kept him for a while, in any way that you look about it, whoever killed them, 
kept them for a while, then dumped their bodies somewhere. But there was no signs of struggle by their truck, so it looked like they were forced out of their truck, into someone else's, taken somewhere, either killed or kept held hostage, and then dumped sometime later. Yeah, I, um, parts of that go kind of with my theory of what happened, and parts of it don't. I, I feel like, I feel like they were probably out of the truck. I think that maybe they were looking at land or looking at something, and they didn't expect to be gone from the truck long, I mean, because the dog is in there, all their stuff is in there. But it's locked, though. Was it locked? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you would, I would still expect you to, if you were walking away from it, I'd still expect to, I would lock my vehicle. Yeah, because, like, um, that's if you're going like, to be up the road. I'm not, like, I'm not 100% sure if I would or not. But, uh, so that's kind of like, that's kind of like where I was like, ah, I don't know. But at the same time, you, that kind of proves mine because if somebody rolled up on them while they were in their truck and held a gun to them and said, get out of the truck and get in here, you're not going to lock the door yeah. in that instance either. Yeah. Even if you had 32,000, I mean, somebody has a gun pointed at you, you're going to get out and you're going to go. Yeah. So. I would, cause I, I mean, I believe that, well, and pro- I mean, I would lock my vehicle if I had $32,000 in it, too. I, I, I don't know if I would think to lock it if somebody had, had like, rolled up, stopped me. Yeah, I wouldn't lock it in that situation. And had a gun point in my head, like, but, yeah, if I was getting out to, like, enjoy the scenery with my family, and I had 32000 in there, yeah, I, would, I probably would lock it now that, now that I think about that. But something that's kind of, something's kind of strange about, like, right before they disappeared, when the police found the phones of either Bobby or Sherilyn, it was one of their phones, there was a picture of Madison in the camera roll. Yeah, I thought this was an interesting thing that I hadn't heard of. You told me about this yeah, one. Yeah, and it looks like they... I'll break it down into two theories. It looks like they got out, put like they had Madison up in kind of like a, a high, at a, high, a little bit of a higher angle, but... Um, they, t- they were taking pictures. I mean, they were just kind of out there enjoying a family moment. Mm-hmm. Now, when if when the f- family and friends see that picture, they automatically say, "Well, I know the best friend does." I didn't really catch what the what Bobby's mom said about it, but her friend says that that doesn't look like the parents took that picture at all because of how Madison looks. She has a really kind of strange look on her face. Her arms are kind of like folded. But they're pointed out. It's not like she doesn't look like she's comfortable at all. Uh-huh. She looks a little scared. And they ended up using this picture as the wanted or not not wanted the like a missing, missing person because yeah. that was the only picture that they had had at the time. Or the first picture they found, uh-huh. uh, the most recent picture too. So no, but I thought that was kind of interesting. So you know, you can play it in as they were. Taking pictures as a family, just kind of enjoying the day, enjoying the moment, enjoying the scenery. Someone rolled up, pointed a gun at them, or they might have known them, said, hey, come here, I'm going to show you a spot, whatever. And they took them, killed them, and dumped their bodies sometime later. Or you could say that they were driving, seen somebody on the side of the road, uh, got out there and they end up it was kind of like sabotage and you don't really we just don't know that's what kind of that's kind of like the aggravating thing about this but 
I mean, you just you kind of just got to go off what you think it was, and I'll get into I'll I'll play out my entire story on how I think it went at towards the end. But yeah, I think that's we'll we'll do that. We'll both say what we think towards the end. Yeah. Now, Dustin, you know I'm a conspiracy theorist. Yes, I'm a skeptical. And he's pretty skeptical. He's practical. Yeah. Um, and I do I do want to say this. You know, we're we're doing this. It's an interesting case. I hadn't heard about it till Dustin found some information on it. But one thing I do want to emphasize is that these are real people. Yes. This stuff really happened. And we're not trying to make fun of the people. We're not trying to say anything bad about them. I mean, honestly, what we're trying to do is we're going to introduce this information that we found. And that it's all alleged. It's a, you know, it's alleged. We don't know. I mean, we weren't there. If we didn't, If people did know, then this case would be solved. But yeah. it's an unsolved case. So we're going to present this information. We're going to present our theories towards the end. Mm-hmm. But one thing we hope is that people hear this and it gets interested in the case and you look at it for yourself and you just go through and you know maybe something will come for the family because we really do feel for the family yeah. and we don't want, you know, we're not trying to come out and slander anybody's name. No. We just want that to be known. Yeah. But I think the theories that we have left kind of get into this weird yeah. supernatural-esque type of stuff. It, yeah. And we don't know if they were really into any of this or if some of this stuff happened. Now, that like we're not just out here like kind of like putting our topics in on this. Like this is what's allegedly reported. Actually, it's reported, but it could be alleged. Now, yes. I mean, if 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 it ever does reach the family, this isn't this is not like he said slander. But reportedly, allegedly. It's our favorite word, alleged. Yeah, it's yeah, heavily used in this case. Drew, uh, I'll let you start this one off. But well, you know, one thing that we we both kind of found this same information on different sites, looking at stuff. So it's been reported on different things, uh, and one thing I believe has been confirmed by the best friend of Sherilyn is that they say they had bought witches' Bibles as a kind of a joke. Um, now I don't. I don't know necessarily what a witch's Bible is. You know, Did you look into that any, Dustin? No, and like I seen a picture of one. Yeah, I seen the picture. Like the only thing that I could think of was it's like a Necronomicon book, but instead yeah. of like devil worship, it's like a witch thing. Kind of like a like a how to guide. How to be like, a, like a Wiccan or something. Yeah. Now, and I don't know. I'm like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out and kind of like look it up because that if you if you really want to know what that is. Feel free to look it up. I didn't really play too much part of that into it. Yeah, I didn't really uh, either. Because of how the best friend kind of talked about it, she was like, "Yeah, we bought them, but it was just kind of like a joke." And I've done stuff like that before. You're just—it's not really like that. That doesn't just jump out and be like, "This is why they died," you know? Yeah. It, it was just kind of like, "Eh, okay, I get it." Yeah, and so that's one thing. Now this. And it was also noted that, and I don't know if this was confirmed or not, and you kind of had a different thing that she'd said, and I'll let you bring that one up, but Sherilyn, they, I had read where they had found notes in the house where she had wrote things like, get out Satan, like they, they were, they believed, or it was reported that they had believed maybe their house was haunted by a family who had lived there a long time ago. Yeah, and it, it was, I read that they thought that, Ghosts from 
the family that had died and had lived there and died there long ago was still with them and um I also read that she had like spray painted like either like somewhere like outside their house I don't think it was on her house but it was somewhere like beside her house that don't make the witch mad or something like that and she had told her friend I believe her friend's name was Nikki but um she told her friend if you want to keep people away from you or keep people from bu- stopping in and bugging you just write crazy stuff out there they'll think you're crazy they'll leave you alone and to me like that's kind of like one of those well she, maybe she was off her meds when she did it uh, and yeah. I say that like with no humor in my voice at all because she did weird stuff and crazy stuff when she was off her meds so maybe that was kind of like eh but you know we, like I said we don't know and that that's also allegedly reported. Yeah, and, and a lot of this supernatural stuff is very alleged. One, yes. Another thing, you know, they said that Bobby had, like, approached, like, the pastor of their church. I don't know what kind of church they went to, but it said he had, like, approached him, said that there was evil spirits in the house, and was, like, asking him about... Um, special bullets. Yeah, like, a special bullet. How could he get a special bullet to, like, shoot a spirit? Exactly. Uh, to me, like, that... Like, that part and the surveillance tape, like, that kind of, like, goes to prove that, like, well, not goes to prove, like, kind of goes to show me maybe they were on drugs. Yeah, and, and talk about that surveillance tape, because we haven't and brought that up yet. The surveillance tape, I don't, you cannot find the surveillance tape online. Like, I watched the Investigation Discovery documentary, which is called uh, Disappeared. I watched that, and it showed, like, small, like, Clips. It wasn't even like a full, it wasn't even a video. It was like little screenshots of them like walking. Now, even the sheriff and I can't remember who else it was. It said, they, they both said that it looked like they were walking kind of like in a trance state. Now, as to like if somebody got possessed, it was, that's kind of what like how TV movies portray somebody to be kind of like possessed now the first thing I think of is they're on drugs now I don't know that for sure they yeah we definitely don't know yeah, that and they took the video offline a long time ago but it's really weird because they said they don't make eye contact with each other they're they're packing up their truck to go to the San Boys Mountains. Like, this is, like, right before they leave. This is the last video that's ever seen of them. This is the last thing that's ever seen of them. And they're packing up their truck to go down there for the day. And it's reported they make, like, 20-something trips back and forth, like, packing up stuff. And it was kind of... It was just kind of weird. Now... First thing I think of is drugs. Now that might, somebody else might portray it differently, but that's just kind of like with him talking to his pastor about how do I get bullets to kill an evil spirit that's on my roof, and walking like you're in a like you're possessed, like in a trance-like state. I think of drugs, but there was no reported um, drug use by the by the family. The family never said anything. The pastor never said anything. And they had no, as far as I know, no, like, drug-related convictions no, or anything. not at all. But, um, if you, 
like there's some pictures that I see and they look like a, they look like healthy human beings, but there's also some pictures that I see where they're just like, okay, you know, I suspect some drug use, but then again, my, like one of my good friends, he's never done drugs a day in his life, and people used to ask him if he was on drugs just by his diet. So I mean, you don't, you can't really just say no. I can tell by looking at him and by the reports of the from the pastor and by the reports of the videotape that oh yeah they were on drugs yeah and I'd like to reiterate I mean we don't have there's no proof that they were on drugs I mean a lot of people point to that surveillance video as the proof that they were on drugs but you know as someone who has been in the position of being in a relationship with someone and maybe you're not getting along and so you're in a fight but you have things you know day to day that you have to get done so you're gonna do it and sometimes it involves both of you working together. Yeah. And so maybe... And you could have been up all night fighting. Yeah, they could have been up all night fighting. They're not getting along. They're tired. They're tired. They need to get this done. So they're just not really making eye contact with each other. They're not moving fast. Yeah. You know, they're... They're tired. They're tired. And Exhausted. maybe they're just not really want to talk to each other at the moment. <clears throat> so... But, uh... And I'd like to talk about why the surveillance tapes were there. Because, I mean, you could be like, okay, well, yeah... If they weren't on drugs, then why did they have a surveillance tape? Or why did they have surveillance cameras? And I I know a little bit about it, but I'm not 100% sure on everything. Allegedly, um, Bobby's mother had that installed for them because her husband, ex-husband now, I'm guessing, um, <clears throat> allegedly wasn't a very good guy. wasn't like, I mean, he was kind of somewhat violent. And then, like I said, this is allegedly speaking, but um, it got favorite to the, word. Yeah, it got kind of got to the point where she was afraid, Bobby was afraid. I mean, he had a daughter, he had a family. They got the surveillance tapes up there. Um, now you can read it. You can read more into that. You can go online and find a lot of stuff about this case. Um, but that's why they had the cameras out. But like, I mean. I, I wouldn't just pinpoint, yeah, they were on drugs because they, or they were selling drugs on drugs because they had surveillance tapes, because of how they looked, because like you just said, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why they were walking like that, why they looked like that, why they had the, so I mean, that doesn't just pinpoint, oh, drugs. Yeah, and I, I agree with that because I just don't, you know, I, I don't want to do that and say that we know this because it's not a fact. But, yeah, um, and I mean, and this, this is kind of like a hit a hit home subject. But my dad was on drugs, specifically the one that they think the Jamesons were on, which is like kind of like a the one that it's for around here was meth. My dad was on meth, and never once did he walk around in the yard, pack up a car like a zombie. I mean, I put it I put it this way: I believe they were, I believe the fact that. They were possessed, like, because a lot of people said they they look like they're kind of like possessed. Like, I believe that more than I believe they were on drugs. Because I was around my dad a lot, didn't know he was on meth, but thinking back on it, after I found out he was on meth, after he almost died on meth, like thinking back to all those times, like he never really, he never looked like he was possessed. He never looked like he was in a trance-like state. He never. So that to me is where the kind of like the drugs just kind of go out the window now. I'm just one man. 
I, that's just kind of like what I think about the whole subject. Yeah. Um, you know, I think this is a good time. I think we've rambled on enough about wanting to reiterate these drugs things. You know, do you have yeah. any other things you want to bring up, Crabtree? You wanted to talk about the area. Yeah, the area. And I've lived in Oklahoma my entire life. Um, the town that I live in of Henrietta is actually not that far from Eufaula, where they lived. But um, where their bodies were found at, at was the Sam Boys Mountains. And that's near Red Oak. Yeah. Um, a kind of like a fun fact about the Sand Boys uh, Mountains is that sand... Sam Boys is a French word for without wood or without forest. And if you look up a picture of the Sam Boys Mountains online, you don't see nothing but trees. There's a lot of trees. So it's just kind of like, haha, that's kind of funny. I don't. And back a long time ago, that's where a lot of wood came from. I mean, they went out and got wood from these mountains. And so I thought that was kind of fun. But I've. I've lived, like I said, I've lived in Oklahoma my entire life. Never heard of Sam Boys Mountains. Now, I've always heard of Robber's Cave. And a lot of people from this area, a lot of people, you know, even from, like, the surrounding states, they've probably heard of Robber's Cave, too. And that sits right in the middle of the Sam Boys Mountains. Now, I was there a year ago. And just, like, kind of thinking about that, thinking about... Well, hey, these people, like, died there. Like, that's... Like, to me, I'm just like, that's crazy, because, like, I've known about that place my entire life. And I think they said, like, the Sam Boys Mountains was, like, roughly 45 to 50 miles long, uh, 19 to 25 miles wide, somewhere around there. Um, the highest point was, like, 1,831 feet. So, I mean, this is a, this is kind of a big place we're talking about here. Um anything really could have happened. I mean, if you, you... There's not a lot of people that live up there. So, somebody wants to, like, go up there and snatch you. I mean, they're, they can pretty much do with you how they please because they're, they can they can get away with it. Yeah, and I imagine there's, you know... if Even if someone were to call the police in that area, there's not going to be a police station up on the mountain. Exactly. So, I mean... It's going to take a while to get to you, even if you did get a hold of law enforcement. Yeah, I mean... So, you know, when they, when people stress like, oh, well, this is this was a heavy, heavily wooded area. No matter how, no matter how much searching that you do, it would, it would, it would still have been really easy to miss. Because me and my grandpa, whenever we were hunting, whenever I was a younger kid, we shot a hog, and it wasn't, I don't know, probably twenty foot in front of us. We searched it. We searched for that hog for like twenty minutes, and we couldn't find it. And we were like, "How?" We knew that we didn't miss it because there was blood everywhere, and we were like, "What the crap?" And we found it three days later on accident, not forty feet from where we were hunting at. And that's the thing. I mean, like, <clears throat> with in heavily wooded areas, it's easy to miss some. Now. Would 500 people searching for three three dead bodies or three bodies, would they miss it? No, they wouldn't. But there's a lot of places to hide out. There's a lot of places to hide someone. I mean, it's really easy to overlook stuff like that in these heavily wooded areas. It's very easy to get lost, too. That could be another factor. Yeah, I mean, that could be a, another factor that maybe they did just get lost on their way. That, that, I don't really believe that theory myself. No, but. I don't, but that... 
but it's that seems to be kind of like what what some people point to, and you know, and I don't knock anybody's theory because nobody knows what happened to these people. Nobody knows at all. So I mean, any factor that comes up, you can't shoot it down. I mean, yeah, and any, I mean, you got to put a theory out there and yeah. see how far it'll go. Yep. Um, which speaking of theories, Dustin, you know, are you ready for us to? Yeah, I mean, I think that'd probably be. Oh, one more thing, I do want to touch on. Their bodies were found November 15th of 2013. Um, They weren't positively verified until July 3rd, 2014, so almost a year later. And that was because the medical examiners needed forensic pathological testing to identify them, anthropological. Um, they, they They needed a lot of stuff to... To just pinpoint, yes, this is the Jameson family. Um, the cause of death was never determined because of the severely decomposed state of the bodies. So I mean, they're like that just adds more to the mystery. But um, in conclusion, I mean, I, th- I think it would be great to kind of touch on what our theories are. And I, I haven't heard yours, and you haven't heard mine. So yeah, this should be pretty inter- interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for this part. Um, I mean, I think my theory is more of a cut and dry kind of theory. I, I believe that they probably, you know, they probably weren't getting along, but they probably were planning on doing this activity, you know, whether they were going to go probably actually look at land. I, I don't necessarily know for sure what I feel about that because if you're going to go look at land, you have all that money. I, I don't necessarily think I would take and pay cash to somebody for land. Um, so there might... I, I don't really know what I feel the money was for, but I do believe they maybe were out there looking and that maybe the wife was in a bipolar state and that they weren't getting along, and so they but they probably just went, and I think they had the money in the truck, so they got out, locked the truck to go look at whatever they're doing, locked it because the money was there, and they probably ran across people that were doing something that they weren't supposed to see, and that those people probably you know, did something to them. I, I feel like the pro- the bodies were probably put there after the search had happened. So what happened between when they went missing and when their bodies got there, I don't know. But I do believe that, you know, they probably killed them. They probably took the gun and did something with the gun so that they couldn't be identified by a serial number or anything on the gun. And uh, I just, you know, I think it was kind of a wrong place at the wrong time kind of thing, which is really sad. And I, but that's I truly feel like that's probably just what happened here in this case. Yeah, and <clears throat> see, like the wrong case, the wrong or the wrong place, at the wrong time. That kind of that I mean, that one hits close to home. Um, but and that that really is probably the saddest way. Now, well, I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be, but <clears throat> Drew, like mine, my theory is pretty well the same as yours I had kind of like two of them uh-huh. and I'll be that guy for right now well, that, you yeah, know that drags it kind of on let's, let's do it I mean it's and, we're, we're the bosses of the show correct? yeah it's so. true I don't have an executive I gotta worry about yeah but um, the first one is just kind of basically what you were saying you know they were kind of like going through a rough time it was hard for him because you know he was hurting all the time and you know he's mad. He can't do the same things he used to do. It's hard for him to do things that he was used to be good at. You know she has a chronic disorder, or a disorder, I guess you'd call it. 
she might be off her meds. They're having these fights. You know, they're kind of just going through the motions, trying to figure out something that will maybe save their marriage. So they're like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna have this fresh. We're gonna have a fresh start up in the mountains. It's gonna be beautiful. It's gonna be fun." They maybe get into a little argument right before. They've got the money with them for whatever reason. I think you know they were just going up there to look anyway. So I, what they had the money for. Some everybody's different. I mean, I too like cash on me. I don't know about thirty two thousand dollars, <laughs> but you know, they got out, decided to enjoy enjoy the mountainside, and they stumbled across something they didn't wasn't supposed to see out in this area, which is like, oh yeah, we probably it could very well be possible they stumbled on something that they didn't weren't supposed to see, and they were taken. Either put somewhere after they were killed, or they were just killed automatically and or instantly by whoever. The gun was taken. You know, we like that part. We just don't know. My second theory, and this is kind of like a very far-fetched theory, and is this your conspiracy theorist hat going on? Yes, and I, and I wanna I wanna make it clear one more time that I'm very skeptical. Unlike on, me. Yeah, like I mean. I, if you give me enough facts, I'll believe you. I mean, it, you could give me enough facts on UFOs, I'd believe you. Now, I'm not, not, I'm not gonna sit here and say I believe in UFOs. If you hit me with some facts on UFOs, I'd probably believe you. Wow, evil laughter. <coughs> yes, but <clears throat> my second theory is the man who stayed with him for you know a little small amount of time after he had a gun pointed to his head. Him and, you know, his cult, or whatever you want to give to it, his white supremacist group, they decided to follow these people and keep track of them. And noticed that, oh, they're making a couple trips a week out here to these mountains. So, we're going to go out there. Okay? Now, I don't believe that they were... There was going to be a deal made because they didn't take the money, but I believe they went up there. They were enjoying their time with their family, just the three of them. You know, dreaming about you know I'm gonna put my house here. The bathroom's gonna go here. The big swimming pool's gonna go right over here. And either one or two guys from this white supremacist group came out and um. You know, killed him. Now I will say that it wasn't the same guy that she pointed the gun at because they questioned him after they couldn't find the bodies. Within like about a month of them finding the truck, um, they questioned him. They found out, you know, what had happened. They pulled him in. He had a solid alibi. Now these white supremacist groups—they're not just like you know one or two guys. I mean, there's probably enough of them, you know, in the group where it could very well have happened. Now, I don't know. I've heard strange cases on where, you know, it might have, but like I said, this whole thing, nobody knows. Now, but those, those are my theories and, you know, only time will tell. I do believe if they find the pistol, that's when they'll start finding stuff. That's when they'll start making more confident accusations. That's where we'll find the killers. Or possibly not killers. Exactly. Exactly. You know. 
Exactly. Now, me personally, I rule the murder-suicide out. I rule that one completely out. I rule... As do I. Now, the drug deal gone wrong, I believe that one. That one... That it could be a possibility? Yeah, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, that's... Like, that's what I think. Because if I'm... If I'm a drug dealer, if I'm a drug guy, you know, and I want to make a big deal, like I'm talking a truckload full of meth or cocaine or whatever they're into, mm-hmm. um, I'm going out to I'm going out to like a heavily wooded area, some place where there's not a lot of traffic, there's not a lot of human interaction. And that's where I'm going to go to do it. So, the chances of stumbling across something like that, you know, how it. Especially in that area where there's supposed to be, you know, a lot of that going on. Yeah, that's very, that's, I believe that one the most. I mean, you know, they stumbled upon something they shouldn't, they shouldn't have seen. Bam, there they got killed. Now, they wouldn't have parked their truck with $32,000 into it and walked three miles to their crime scene. So, that's where you kind of factor in either, yeah, they stumbled upon something, they got taken and dumped out at a later time, or somebody rolled up. And said, "Get out of the truck. Come with us." So, but the drug deal gone wrong. I, I believe that one. I mean, they stumbled upon a drug deal, and they got, they they lost their lives for it. And that's where, you know, my condolences and my sympathy goes out to the family, because nobody should have to go through that. But the murder suicide, I just I just don't see it. No matter how mad she was at Bobby, yeah. you don't you're not gonna kill. No matter, you know, I've read a lot on depression and bipolar disorder. I don't see, I don't see you killing your six-year-old daughter because you're mad at your husband. Now, you know, some people that know a little bit more about it could say, oh, yeah, yeah, that can totally happen. Very well, there's been crazier things happen. But I ruled that one out kind of completely. Just by listening to, listening to how the family talked about them and how they felt about them, words they said, I don't see it happening. And I, we haven't found the, they haven't found the gun yet. Hey, this is D-Brain, if you haven't figured that out by now. Um, you just listened to the very first episode of the Hat Trick Podcast, and normally around this time of the show... What we would do is, you know, pull the next topic out of the hat and probably say something, you know, funny. But this being the first episode, the first two episodes, we already pre-picked our topics. And so I just wanted to give you a little preview of what's going to be going on next week's episode. We're going to be talking about a more light-hearted, if you can call it that, topic. It's going to be a man named Gerald Foos. And we lovingly called this episode, We Pity the Foos. And he's not a murderer... He's just, he's kind of weird, and there is there is a murder involved, but if, uh, if you haven't, you know, heard anything about this guy, there's an article in the New York Times called The Voyeur's Motel, and, um, by Gay Talese, so if you want to do a little background reading before the next week's episode, feel free to go check it out, because that is where we pull a lot of our information. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the first episode, and at the end of next week, we will have the first official Hat Trick of the Hat Trick podcast, and with that being said, I think I'm going to let you go 
Um, we're going to have our social medias and stuff at the start of the episode. And so please go check it out. You know, send us emails, hit us up on Facebook and just, you know, give us some feedback. Let us know what we could do better. And, uh, you know, if you think we're stupid, call us stupid. If you think we're great, call us great. So, you know, uh, that's about it. 